Wait, nothing was recording. Oh my god. What do you mean nothing was recording? <sighs> it was not recording. What do you mean you weren't recording me? It was running, but it wasn't picking anything up. <laughs> what do you mean it wasn't picking? In less than a month, you're going to be done with college admissions. Your essays are going to be in, your test scores, your supplements, your teacher rec letters. That's going to be done. You're never going to have to open commonapp.org ever again. Get ready for that day. Now, in the new year, we're still going to be producing content here at Admissions Uncovered about college admissions for the juniors and younger individuals out there who are listening to this podcast. But for you seniors who have completed your college applications, we're still going to be producing content for you. In fact, in the new year, we're going to be launching new podcasts about college life, transitioning to adulthood, and all the other types of questions, concerns, and experiences that you want to know more about. If you'd like to keep in touch with Dominic, Nee, and I, and if you want to hear more about the podcast we're going to be launching in the new year, sign up to our email list at bit.ly slash aupodnew. If you go to bit.ly slash aupodnew, you'll be able to give us your email. And when we launch those new podcasts about college life and all the questions that you still have about transitioning to college, you'll be the first to know. Thanks so much. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Emissions Uncovered podcast with me, Dominic, and the other hosts, Nee and Michael. In this week's episode, we will continue our analysis of the released essays by Johns Hopkins. If you haven't listened to part one found in episode 28 of the Emissions Uncovered podcast, I recommend that you start there and then return to this episode to finish off the released essays. Just as in last episode, you can follow along with us in the link in the show notes at emissionsuncovered.com, or you can just listen to us read them off. Before we begin, we have a quick reminder of a special opportunity to have your essays reviewed on the podcast for free. Yeah, we're going to be doing a special episode in the coming weeks where we review your supplemental essays. So send in the essays you want us to look at and review on the podcast. Now, we'll obviously not read the entire essay on the podcast because that'd be dumb, uh, but we will give general suggestions, general critiques, general thoughts on your ideas, and maybe we'll pull out some very memorable quotes. So send over your essays the prompt they're for, the school it's for, your first name, and the city and state you're from over to admissions.uncovered at gmail.com. That's admissions.uncovered at gmail.com. We'll review your essays on the air and you'll become uh, Admissions Uncovered famous. Okay, so I'm going to start us off again like I did in the first episode. And for this one, the prompt is a little different. It isn't an essay for the Common App essay, but it's one for their supplemental essay. And the prompt is... Write a brief essay in which you respond to the following question. Successful students at Johns Hopkins make the biggest impact by collaborating with others, including peers, mentors, and professors. Talk about a time in or outside the classroom when you worked with others and what you learned from the experience. All right, so this essay is called The Voice of Many. It's a hot and humid day in Swat Valley, Pakistan. A young student boards the school bus since walking is no longer safe. She sits, chatting with her friends after a long day of exams. A man jumps onto the bus and pulls out a gun. The last thing the girl remembers is the sound of three gunshots. Bang, bang, bang. Her name is Malala, and she was 14 years old, shot for no reason other than her desire to learn. We will fight until girls don't live with fear of attending school. We will fight until education is a freedom, a right, and an expectation for everyone. This is the first stanza of a piece of slam poetry my friend and I wrote and performed at our school's rendition of TED Talks. Over lunch one day, we discovered we shared a common passion, an insistence on equality in all forms, feminism in particular. 
We discussed the difficulty of combating social issues, but agreed that spreading awareness was one effective method. This casual exchange evolved into a project involving weeks of collaboration. We realized that together we can make a far greater impact than we ever could individually. We composed a 10-minute poem aimed at inspiring people to consider important issues. We began by drafting stanzas, simultaneously editing editing one another's writing, and later progressed to memorization, practicing together until our alternating lines flowed and phrases spoken together were completely synchronized. The performance was both memorable and successful, but more importantly, this collaboration motivated us to move forward to establish the Equality Club at our school. Sophomore year, our club volunteered with organizations promoting gender equality, the highlight of the year helping at a marathon for recovering abuse victims. Junior year, we met with our head of school to convey our goals, outline plans, and gain support for the coming year in which we held fundraisers for refugees while educating students. This year, we are collaborating with the Judicial Committee to reduce the escalating use of racial slurs at school, stemming from a lack of awareness within the student body. From this experience, I learned that it is possible to reach so many more people when working together rather than apart. It also taught me that the most crucial aspect of collaborating is believing in the same cause. The details will come along, will come as long as there is a shared passion. All right, so do you guys want to give your first thoughts on this essay? My first thought is that this is a very explicit essay in that it's not a very poetic one in this paragraph of analysis. And I think that shows a structure that works for these shorter essays is that you have a kind of very grabby intro and then you just explain what the intro means in the paragraph after. If you read the paragraph, as we just did, you don't really notice many like rhetorical flares in it. It's just a very straightforward explanation of what you did, or of what the student did. Mm-hmm. A couple of comments for me. I think drawing on the famous figure worked in this case well enough to where it set up the rest of the paragraph, but I think that a lot of students might have a hard time making that part fit and showing off too much of the historical character and forgetting to include them. So the part about where they wrote it and then using that to bond with other people, I think that worked well. Also, towards the end of the uh, supplement, the part where they were talking about what they did each year, I think a lot of students will also try to move into a listing of what they've done. And you you already have your application for that. And this is really the chances to kind of write about it. I think in this case, they avoided just resume spitting on the supplement, but I think that that is also something to avoid doing because it will just take away from your writing and this is your only chance to show the school you're writing besides the Common App essay. Yeah, that's one thing I did notice about this essay is that it did borderline on resume building in some instances. I mean, there's the sentence, we met with our head of school to convey our goals, outline plans, and gain support for the coming year. Which seems like a very boring, logistic-y thing. And so it worked. So it obviously was not a deal-breaker for Johns Hopkins. But in my opinion, that line could have been used in actually describing this fundraiser for a refugee while educating students, actually describing what happened at the event. You know, there's the other sentence about reducing the, es- the escalating use of racial slurs. You know, when I read that, I was like, Really? People are using racial slurs a lot, and maybe that's just, like, naivete coming from a school where that didn't happen <laughs> that often. But, you know, I, I'm curious about these things that she just kind of name-dropped in a very resume-like situation. Mm-hmm. 
So I think I would agree with both of y'all's comments, um, especially I really like the intro because that's definitely, as Dominic said, a unique part because she was the one that actually wrote um, the first the first part about the famous pi- figure. And also, I think it kind of worked, even though it bordered, it might have bordered on resume building or like resume listing that it showed growth. So it showed... Um, it was talked more about what she did each year from sophomore year to junior year to finally this year. And also since it is a supplement and it's a very like specific question, I guess, with, about collaboration that I think in this instance, um, it didn't need as much of a overarching metaphor like the other essays did in which it was more for the common app prompts. So I'm just going to read the admissions committee's comments real quick on this essay. So it says... Reshmi's essay highlights how combining forces with others can help you achieve your goals. At Hopkins, students take advantage of interdisciplinary study to learn from different perspectives and build connections between topics. Similar to how Reshmi collaborated with a fellow student to develop an equality club, our students come together each day to combine ideas and resources to make progress. This essay clearly shows us how the writer intends to collaborate with her peers to inspire change both in and outside of the classroom. So I think it goes to show, as um, we said in the previous part one about Johns Hopkins essays, Hopkins seems to really emphasize um, interdisciplinary studies and interests and also collaboration. So I think this essay really portrays that a student that kind of matches what the school is looking for. One thing I'll say about the structure of this one, though, is that it is just one long paragraph which I think is actually totally fine for this type of essay because it is a short one, because it only has a word limit of 300 to 400 words. Now, could you have split into two paragraphs? Yes, but can you keep it as one? Absolutely. Now, if you're writing your common app, you should have paragraphs. Definitely not one long 650-word paragraph. Yeah, no. But it works for this one. With that, I'm going to start reading my essay. It's from Stephanie. It's called Superheroes. Legends, lore, and comic books all feature mystical, beautiful beings and superheroes. Outspoken, powerful Greek goddesses, outspoken Chinese maidens, and outspoken blade-wielding women. As a child, I soared the skies with my angel wings, battled demons with katanas, and helped stop everyday crime, and of course, had a hot boyfriend. In short, I wanted to save the world. But growing up, my definition of superhero shifted. My peers praised people who loudly fought inequality, who rallied and shouted against hatred. As a journalist on a social justice theme magazine, I spent more time at protests, interviewing and understanding, but not quite feeling inspired by their work. At first, I despaired. Then I realized I'm not a superhero. I'm just a 17-year-old girl with a Nikon and a notepad, and I like it that way. And yet, I want to save the world. This understanding didn't arrive as a bright, thundering revelation. It settled in softly on a warm spring night before my 17th birthday, around the fourth hour of crafting my journalism portfolio. I was choosing the best photos I'd taken around town during the 2016 presidential election when I unearthed two shots. The first was from a peace march. My classmates, rainbows painted on their cheeks and bodies wrapped in American flags. One raised a bullhorn to her mouth, her lips forming a loud O. Months later... I could still hear her voice. The second was different. The cloudy morning following election night seemed to shroud the school in gloom. In the mist, however, a golden face with dark hair and two moon-shaped eyes faces the camera. Her freckles, 
sprinkled like distant stars across the expanse of her round cheeks, only accentuated by her childlike features and added to the soft feel of the photo. Her eyes born to something beyond the lens, beyond the photographer, beyond the viewer. Everything is rigid, from the jut of her jaw to her stitched brows, her upright spine, and arms locked against her chest to her shut mouth. I picked a second picture within a heartbeat. During my career as a photojournalist, I lived for action shots, the excited gestures of a school board member discussing plans, a rabbi preaching vividly, a group of teenagers chanting and waving flags downtown. To me, the most energetic photos always told the biggest and best stories. They made me feel important for being there, for capturing the superheroes in the moment to share with everyone else. The softer moments paled in comparison, and I thought of them as irrelevant. It took about one second to tear down one year's worth of belief. The idea dawned on me when I was trapped within a distraught weight in the girl's eyes. Sometimes the moments that speak the loudest aren't the noisiest or the most energetic. Sometimes they're quiet, soft, and peaceful. I still don't completely understand who I am and who I want to be, but really, who does? I'm not a superhero, but that doesn't mean I don't want to save the world. There are just so many ways to do it. You don't have to be loud to inflict change. Sometimes it begins quietly. A snap of the shutter, a scrape of ink on a paper, a breathtaking photograph, an astonishing lead. I've noticed the impact creativity can have and how powerful it is to harness it. So with that, I make people think and understand those surrounding them. I play devil's advocate in discussions about ethics and politics. I persuade those around me to think past what they know into the scary territory of what they don't. So to make people feel. I'm determined to inspire people to think more about how they can be their own superheroes and more. See, that's the kind of world saving I do. All well, right, so I really like I that really essay. I really like that essay. I really like that essay. Uh, but yeah, what are your what are your first thoughts? Well, my first thought is I really focused on the imagery and like the vivid descriptions that it that she had throughout the entire essay from not only describing like the photographs. I think there was a part with um, like two moon-shaped eyes, her freckles sprinkled like distant stars across the expanse of her round cheeks. I think those details really made me be able to like imagine the photograph as if kind of I had I had it in my hands. And also the whole theme with like being a superhero and wanting to save the world. I think a lot of people could say that and they want to change the world. But sometimes they'll, they'll think too big and it could be at times um, too impractical, I think. But like, it's good to dream big. But I think what works with this essay is that re- she really understood that. But she also understood the role that she could play. So I think it tied the essay together really well. So for me, I d- don't get me wrong, it's a great essay. And I think that the, the politics part is something to kind of learn from. In this essay, it brings it up, but doesn't go into depth about it. It kind of works around it and what they did with that, instead of just going into that discussion that is fairly polarizing for people. Uh, so I think that in this case, it worked. Uh, but as far as somebody looking to write about that, I would be careful. Oh, I think uh, you're definitely wrong, Dominic. I think this is a time where if you are someone who did politics all through high school... 
you can't run away from it. You know, if four years were spent on the Democratic Club and you've been knocking on doors every weekend for Democratic candidates or Republican candidates or Libertarian candidates or like Communist Party candidates or whatever, if that's your thing, then to like go around that in your essay just doesn't make sense because that's what's already going to be on your common app too. There's no running away from it. And this is just generally about your like big activities, your spike activities. You know, a lot of people sometimes think, oh, maybe I'm too invested in this one thing. Well, it's too late now for you to figure out that. You can't run away from what you've done in four years. It's You can't run away from the big thing you've done in four years. And if that thing happens to be politics, it's going to be trickier to write an essay about it that doesn't sound, as Dominic said, really polarizing and really partisan, but you can't run away from it because it just is who you are if it's if it is who you are, then it is just who you are. And it's going to be what your essay is going to be about. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with Michael. I, I was just trying to say more of what you did with it and what it means to you than actually like just throwing down what you think on the paper. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. This should yeah. not be like an op-ed about yeah. you know your favorite but policy. What I think I about this one, even though it did include politics, I think it talked a lot more about how she got a different perspective, I guess, a change in perspective, realizing even, like, the smallest things matter. So I think it focused more on that than just, like, politics on the surface, I guess. So I think that's why it works overall that she, like, for sure, like, you shouldn't make it into, like, a whole, like, political, like, opinion, like, very, um... Because, like, you never know who's reading it, but I think this one, like, didn't do that and also focused a lot more on herself than just, like, oh, this, 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 this. Yeah, I mean, it also seems like she wasn't the political animal. You know, she wasn't the one knocking on doors, protesting. She was more, like, observing, I guess. That's a lot of what the core of it was. Yeah, I think that's I think that's her point that you don't need to be mm-hmm. the kind of yeah. protester to create change, which I think is you know a very insightful thing for someone my age to be thinking about. Quick things about the writing: I just the writing here is exactly what a college essay needs to have, right? So number one, the first thing I noticed on the second reading, out reading it out loud, there's this like nice funny thing in the opening paragraph and helped stop everyday crime parentheses, and of course had a hot boyfriend <laughs> and parentheses, period. You know, it's just like a nice, funny thing to stick in. And then what I also noticed about her writing is that it it is very rhythmic. It is it, it does the kind of short sentences, the short kind of applause line sentences really well. So there is those, you know, so in the, after the after the two paragraphs there's three lines. At first I despaired, then I realized I'm not a superhero. That's one line. I'm just a 17-year-old with a Nikon and a notepad, and I like it that way. Second line. And yet, I want to save the world. Third line. Visually, just looking at on a page, those sentences pop. Reading it, those sentences are short. And the clauses that form them are short. And it pops. And it really works because this is the kind of declarative moment for her, the kind of moment where you realize, oh, something is different, right? The climactic point, if you will, or at least the first climactic point. So I think the lesson for us is that when you kind of reach a big moment in your essay, you want to try to blow it up by having short sentences and being declarative. 
Number two, as the essay was about her write, her taking images, it's obviously a very visual thing. You're taking a picture of something. And if you have the picture in front of you, you know what's happening. But she does a really good job of describing it. You know, I, I, you know, there's this paragraph where she talks about the girl after election day and her freckles and her eyes boring into something beyond the lens, beyond the photographer, beyond the viewer. You know, there's, there's the type of writing here that I think is just very poetic, very beautiful. Um, and that's not something that we can all do, I think. But it does show that it is very important to try to be descriptive and to try to be very specific about the mm-hmm. examples and the stories you present. And the third thing I'll say, and the third thing that stuck out to me, is this last sentence. See, that's the kind of world saving I do. I think that's just the most perfect pithy ending to this essay. It ties back to the intro because it, the intro was also talking about trying to save the world. Number two, it's a great conclusion. It is something you read and you kind of smile afterwards. And, you know, that goes to show that not that goes to show that you need to vary the types of sentences that you're going to use. When you're coming to an end, when you're coming to a climactic point, as I said earlier, you need those types of short declarative sentences. And the last sentence, if you can find some way to tie it back to the beginning, it'll make a very complete feeling to the essay. For sure. Michael, do you want to read um, what the admissions committee had to say? Yeah, the admissions committee said, Stephanie's openness to new interpretations gives us a sense of how she will contribute to the Hopkins community as a creative thinker and as someone who is eager to impact how people view the world. This essay provides context for her academic and extracurricular interest, as well as her character and initiative, all of which are important in an application review process where we try to understand the whole student. Moving on to the third and final one that we're doing on this episode, we have And the Secret Ingredient ingredient is by matthias step one get the ingredients on the granite countertop in front of me sat a pile of flour two sticks of butter and a bowl of shredded beef just like the youtube tutorial showed my mind contorted itself as i tried figuring out how i was doing flecking me were two equally discombobulated partners for my spanish class somehow some way the amalgamation of ingredients before us would have to be transformed into Peruvian empanadas. Step 2. Prepare the ingredients. It looked easy enough. Just make a dough, cook the beef until it was tender, put two and two together, and fry them. What YouTube doesn't show was how to season the meat or how long you should cook it. We had to put this puzzle together by ourselves. Adding to the mystery, none of us knew what an empanada should even taste like. Step 3. Roll out 10 equally sized circles of dough. It would be dishonest to say everything went smoothly. I thought the dough should be thick. One team member thought it should be thin. The other thought our circles were squares. (laughs) A fundamental truth about collaboration is that it's never uncontentious. Everybody has their own expectations about how things should be done. Everyone wants a project to go their way. Collaboration requires observing the differences between the collaborators and finding a way to synthesize everyone's contributions into a solution that is mutually agreeable. Step 4. Cook the beef until tender. Collaborative endeavors are the proving grounds for Murphy's Law. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. The shredded beef, which was supposed to be tender, was still hard as a rock after an hour on the stove. 
With our unseasoned cooking minds, all ideas were valid. Put more salt in? Sure. Cook at a higher temperature? Go for it. Collaboration requires people to be receptive. It demands an open mind. All ideas deserve consideration. Step 5. Fry the empanadas until crispy. What does crispy even mean? How crispy is crispy enough? How crispy is too crispy? The back and forth of my teammates over everything from how thick the dough should be to the definition of crispy taught me a key ingredient of teamwork, patience. Collaboration breeds tension, which can make teamwork so frustrating. But it's that very tension which also transforms deferring perspective in perspectives into solutions that propel collaborative undertakings forward. Step six, enjoy. Mm. <laughs> nice ending. Nice ending. <laughs> First uh, impressions? Well, what I thought is that um, the first thing that struck out to me was the creative format that it was kind of in. So if you guys are following along with us on the Hopkins website, you can see it's kind of written in a way with like step one, two, three, as if it were a recipe for someone to follow. So I think that was really creative and it obviously went along really well with what they're trying to say. And um, I think just everything kind of flowed really well, like um, from like incorporating actually like making whatever i don't even know what dish they were making something with beef well empanadas um but then also adding the parts because if i'm not wrong this one is for the collaboration prompts like the first one i read so it did both in that it made sure it answered the prompt with collaboration but also in a very creative way as i said with kind of going through the cooking steps so i i really like this essay and how it flowed what I like about it is also that it's really good writing. I think there are some sentences that come off as kind of like business booky. Um, so I think like one sentence that kind of stuck out to me is like kind of, oh, okay, this sounds weird. Um, collaboration requires observing the differences between the collaborators and finding a way to synthesize everyone's contributions into a solution that is mutually agreeable. You know, maybe it's just the way I read it in, but... I don't know. Whenever I see words like synthesized and mutually agreeable, I'm like, oh, no, this like is a proposal. like taken out of Cal Newport or something <laughs> like that. But, I mean, clearly it worked, right? Clearly it worked. So what do I think worked about this? Well, I think it's because even if these, some of these sentences to me stick out as kind of weird productivity hack type thing, what I do notice about it is that it all still conveys a very singular message about what this person's view of collaboration is, which is that we need to have openness to other ideas. And I think that is a very good thing to present to yourself to colleges, particularly Hopkins, who is literally asking a prompt about mm -hmm. collaboration. Now, you know, I think the lesson here is that even if the message you're trying to convey is generic, you make it convincing and compelling for yourself by adding in a very specific story, specific antidote, right? Because it is a very generic thing to say you should be open to different perspectives. Every single cable news pundit says it all the time, <laughs> even though they aren't. What makes it compelling, what makes me really believe that Mateus believes it, is because of this experience of trying to create Peruvian empanadas, working with people who also did not know what they were doing and coming to the solution. And so the lesson is we always are afraid of writing cliches, 
But the way to make a cliche truly yours is by adding in your stories Mm -hmm. and your experiences. I just kind of want to add to that. Um, I think also how he was able to do that is the little kind of like sarcastic sentence, I guess. Like, what does crispy even mean? How crispy is crispy enough? How crispy is too crispy? I I really like that part. Or the, the part where it's like, put more salt in, sure, cook it at higher temperature, go for it. So I feel like I could really imagine what kind of person, what personality this per, um, that Matthias has. So I think that's something I really liked and was very relatable, um, which also I think made the essay a lot stronger. Yeah, one thing I will add is I like the style of going from what actually happened when they were trying to do the project to the broader what it means teamwork-wise, collaboration, and then right back to the project. And the different steps definitely helps organize that. And then within that, the different paragraphs will talk more about teamwork and the, the funny parts, but then it, it keeps the thing going with the different steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to realize how great the structure is, is in comparison to what it could have been, which is if Mateus had one long paragraph about making the empanadas and then one paragraph of analysis talking about how all the sentences you hear in these paragraphs about collaboration and what it does, all those mixed and mashed in one big paragraph, one paragraph about the experience, one paragraph analyzing it. I think if you had done it that way, it would have been kind of boring. And it also wouldn't have flowed as well because all these different features of collaboration follow really nicely from a particular mm-hmm. step. And so just by combining all those together, kind of like lose that connection with the story. And so I think this structure really works because it's so well integrated. This step, this process, this part of creating empanadas showed this to me about collaboration. This next step about creating the empanadas showed another thing about collaboration to me. I think it I think the structure of this worked and I think it shows that the 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 form of an essay can really have an impact on mm-hmm. how it's treated to its content to so it is something to think about whether the structure you're using actually works or it's like the most effective structure to portray what message you're trying to send so yeah i think that's really important as michael said um dominic do you want to close us out with the admissions committee comments yeah before i read the admissions committee comments i will say there is one more essay on here titled looking through a wider lens And I think it would be good practice for listeners out there that would like to improve their supplement writing to kind of give what we did a go. Uh, So the link is in the show notes on the admissionsuncovered.com website. And you can just drop down your analysis in the comments section under this podcast. But the admissions committee comments for Matthias's essay about empanadas. Matthias is able to describe important aspects of collaboration, such as considering new ideas and finding a way to synthesize everyone's input. Through the metaphor of cooking empanadas as a novice, his essay effectively conveys the message that collaboration demands an open mind and that by being receptive to other opinions, tackling any kind of puzzle, whether culinary or academic, becomes more doable. This tells us that as a student, Matthias values the contributions of his peers and strives to bring people and ideas together to accomplish obstacles. Thanks so much for listening. That was the second part of our series on these Johns Hopkins essays. These are all essays from admitted students, so I think they're really good examples of 
essays that we need to strive for. I think we learned a lot about how we should write essays, but also how we should generate ideas for the essay. So I really hoped these this new type of episode really helped. If they did, please rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice. If you are on an Apple device, you can go to bit.ly slash aupodapple to go to the iTunes store and rate us five stars on iTunes. That's going to help more people find our podcast. In addition, remember, we're going to be doing that special episode where we help review your supplements. So send in the essays you want us to include with the prompt, the school it's for, your first name, and the city and state you're from over to admissions.uncovered at gmail.com. And we'll get that episode out as soon as we can. As always, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. If you've made it this far in the episode, then you are a loyal fan of the Admissions Uncovered podcast. And if you're a loyal fan of the Admissions Uncovered podcast, you're going to miss us when uh, you're done with college applications, and we're going to miss you too. (laughs) That's why in the new year, we're going to be launching a few new podcasts that I think a lot of you seniors are going to enjoy. These podcasts are going to be about college life, transitioning to college, and more broadly, transitioning to adulthood. If you're interested in any of these topics, or the very least, if you're interested in hearing more from Dominic, me, and I, go over to bit.ly slash aupodnew. That's bit.ly slash aupodnew. And you'll hear about our new podcasts when they come out. Be the first ones to listen. Be the best fans of the Admissions and Cover podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good week.